Hello and welcome to the podcast of tech.eu. I am your host, Andrew Degeler, and this is the episode number 200 of our show, which I am very, very excited about. First of all, I want to thank everyone listening to our podcast and sending feedback on Twitter and by email. Thank you all so much. The show would not have been possible without you. Also, huge thanks to everyone we have interviewed on the show this year and before, and the people who have hosted it since its launch in 2015. Neil Murray, Roxanne Varza, Robin Wouters, Natalie Novik, you all rock. Thank you so much. As I said last time, this episode will feature a bunch of messages from you, the listeners. We have asked you to pick one of five questions on our website and record your answer, and you certainly did deliver. This, together with a little something from our editor Robin Wouters, coming up after the news roundup. It has been the last full week before the holiday period starts, and lots of European companies seem to have been eager to squeeze their news announcements into these last days. So I have picked some of the most interesting and important stories, but if you want more, head to tech.eu website and read our daily roundups called Today in European Tech. Robin does a great job putting together all the most important news stories of the day, and there's a lot more there than I could possibly talk about today. But let us get started started. Estonian ride-hailing and micromobility company Bolt has raised 150 million euros in funding. Bolt refused to disclose its current valuation, but did say that it has gone up from 1.7 billion euros that it was valued at back in May. Ingrid London over at TechCrunch managed to get a hint that seems to suggest that this round valued Bolt at around 3.5 billion euros, but the company did not confirm nor deny this number. This round was led by D1 Capital Partners, which is the hedge fund run by American billionaire Daniel Sandheim, and another participant was Darsana Capital Partners, which is also a hedge fund based in the US. CEO and co-founder of Bolt, Markus Willig, said that the money will be used to focus on geographic expansion and becoming the biggest provider of electric scooters in Europe. It is actually quite interesting to see Bolt uh, paying more and more attention to e-scooters because just a year ago or so, Willig uh, told me in an interview that he was not actually that excited about this industry and only introduced e-scooters as a complementary service to the actual ride-hailing business of the company. It does not seem to be be the case anymore though. Next up, Polish startup Brainly, which has a platform where students can help each other with homework, has raised 80 million US dollars in funding. Ingrid London, again of TechCrunch, reports that the fresh cash will be used, I quote, to continue building out the tools that it offers to students, as well as to home in on expansion in some key emerging markets such as Indonesia and Brazil. The news comes on the heels of dramatic growth for the company, which has seen its user base grow from 150 million users in 2019 to 350 million today, the quote ends. Next, Microblink, a Croatian computer vision startup, has landed its first funding round since it was founded seven years ago. 60 million US dollars came from US firm Silversmith Capital Partners, and the money will accelerate product development, go-to-market plans, and team expansion. As my colleague Annie wrote in her story, I quote, the Zagreb-based company builds computer vision products that help businesses digitize documents, automate processes, and eliminate manual data entry. Some key applications applications are digital identity through ID scanning, payments through credit card scanning, and purchase data collection through receipt scanning. The quote ends. 
Next up, Zilch, a London-based startup in the buy now pay later space, has raised 30 million US dollars in funding. I wrote about the round myself this week, so I will just re-quote my piece. So unlike traditional BNPL products, uh, which get integrated on the merchant side and become essentially yet another payment method for the customer, uh, Zilch connects to the user's bank account through open banking protocols. And all the customer needs to do is to choose the store where they want to shop and activate a virtual credit card that would only work for that merchant. This way, the product can be used in any store that accepts MasterCard. So staying true to its name, Zilch offers customers to pay for purchases in four equal installments spread from the checkout moment to six weeks afterwards, with no interest and no hidden fees. Similarly to the rest of BNPL players out there, the company gets a small cut from the merchant for each purchase made with a Zilch MasterCard. It is currently at 160,000 users and it employs 35 people in its London headquarters. Uh, Zilch plans in 2021 to grow the team to about 75 employees and potentially expand beyond the UK borders. Moving on in today's agenda, here is a couple of M&A stories. Remember when British gaming company Codemasters announced that it was being acquired uh, by Take-Two? So that is not happening anymore. Electronic Arts has come along in the meantime and offered an extra $200 million for the game developer, making it worth $1.2 billion. US So it's going to be Electronic Arts buying Codemasters after all, unless of course somebody else makes an even higher bid. Another one, Dutch cloud communications company MessageBird has purchased UK-based Pusher for 35 million US dollars. The news comes a couple of months after MessageBird raised 200 million US dollars in funding at a valuation of 3 billion dollars. Pusher's product is quite technical, it helps developers integrate real-time elements like notifications and messaging into their apps through hosted APIs. After the acquisition is finalized, the product will be available under a new brand, which is MessageBird Pusher. And the last entry in the M&A list for this week is Kazoo, the used car e-tailer from the UK, which has acquired the car subscription platform Drover for an undisclosed amount. Last summer, a drover raised over 20 million pounds in funding, and per a report by our own Robin Wouters, buying the company gives Kazoo the ability to offer its customers the option to purchase, finance, or now subscribe to any of its cars. It was planning to roll out its own monthly subscription service, the launch of which will now be moved to the first half of 2021. Drover was founded in 2016 and currently has 100 staff across London, Lisbon, Paris, and Bucharest. Next up, a quick dose of micromobility goodness. DOT, the Dutch e-scooter operator that is not actually available in the Netherlands, has branched out into e-bike sharing. It's also introduced its own e-bikes, which will come to Paris and London in March 2021. So I have to say, this new e-bike looks very cool, and in a truly MacBook fashion, it is made of one piece of aluminium with no welding involved. It also seems well-suited for the reality of urban bike sharing. The wheels 
are one piece and have no spokes, the tires are filled with foam and hence cannot be punctured, and there is no chain. Instead of a chain, the bike is driven by a shaft like you would see in some uh, motorcycles, especially older ones. So I have actually tried myself a bike like this once, a friend of mine in Amsterdam used to have one, and I, ca and I can say it uh, really rides just fine, it's just a little bit heavier than a normal bicycle, but that shouldn't be a problem for an e-bike, right? On the electric side of things, uh, the bike uses the same swappable batteries as DOT's e-scooter, so they're fully interoperable, and the announcement does not say it, but as far as I can see, the electric motor will help you pedaling, rather than spinning one of the wheels directly. I'm not myself a fan of city bikes, and I'm not myself a fan of e-bikes, but I like this one, and I would certainly be happy to try it out if it were available in the Netherlands, which it is not, and will not be in the foreseeable future. Coming up next, in Ireland, uh, Dublin-based Dogpatch Labs, together with a network of regional hubs, have won a five-year contract worth 17 million euro to manage state-founded startup accelerator programs. Namely, the consortium will now manage the National Digital Research Center, or NDRC, which has been around since 2007. Per a report in the Irish Times, I quote, Dogpatch Managing Director Patrick Walsh stressed that under the new regime, dedicated programs would be run in all the regions rather than just focusing on Dublin. Mr. Walsh said that as well as regional offerings, NDRC would also continue to run a national accelerator for about 15 startups each year. The quote ends. Next, uh, the policy fun. The European Commission has officially introduced two of the much-awaited proposals that would outline the new policy of the bloc in regards to big tech. The first one is the Digital Services Act, that is the DSA. It is mostly focused on how platforms handle illegal content as well as increased accountability of big tech companies. The other one, the Digital Markets Act, that's the DMA, introduces the idea of deeming a number of major tech players gatekeepers and applying additional requirements to them. The main point here is to ensure fair competition. So now that the proposals are introduced officially, the Commission needs the European Council and the European Parliament to back these proposals so they could become law and then start being implemented by member states. This is likely to take months, if not years, uh, though it is seen that the Commission is very much ready to do all it takes to speed things up. And to finish up the news section, Forbes has released the 2020 Midas List Europe, where it ranked top 25 VC investors, well, in Europe. The ranking is based on investors' deals and portfolio performance, and this year, third time in a row, the first spot went to Jan Hammer of Index Ventures. Sonali de Ricker of Axel is second, and Daniel Reimer, again from Index Ventures, is third. Uh, there are only four women in the list, uh, de Ricker, whom I already mentioned, then Luciana Lishandro of Sequoia, Reshma Sohoni of Seedcamp, and Laurel Bowden of 83 North. Almost all investors in the list are based in the UK, except for two entrants in Israel, two in the US, and one each in Zurich and Stockholm. And now it is finally time for the fun part of the show. Earlier this week, we asked you to send us voice messages answering one of five possible questions. I will list them here. First one, what does European tech mean for you personally? Which startups should we follow in 2021? What is wrong with the European tech and how do we all fix it? What's the strongest point of the European tech ecosystem? And where do you expect to see growth in 2021 and why? 
So we've got a great response. I'm very, very thankful to everyone who took time to join the experiment. And the shortest one was this. You get a grind. I mean, I guess this is what European tech means to you, right? That was the answer to this question. You get a grind. I mean, I kind of agree. Now, let me play the rest of what our listeners had to say. So not everyone introduced themselves, so I will do it for uh, those who did not. So this one comes from Matthias Lungmann, the founder of Moonfire Ventures. What's wrong with European tech and how do we fix it? The thing that drives me as an investor and why I get up every day is that I believe that Europe is really the inventor of modern science. It all started here. The thinking around science was built on other knowledge bases, of course, but we took it to a special level in the industrial age. However, post-war, there's been a sort of crumbling of that raw European ambition. That edge needs to come back, and that belief that one is going to build something that is profoundly going to change society and the world. This is what drives me in Europe. We have great universities and a strong talent pool in Europe. Universities in every country in Europe have been built with the ambition of being a leader in the field at a global level. We compete across Europe, and each country wants to build the best engineering school in the world. That's why we have so many educated engineers coming out of Europe. We need to develop this ambition and double down on our education system to raise the next generation of successful founders. I think we should cultivate that belief that we are, in Europe, going to build something that will profoundly change society. And this one comes from the friend of the show, Sebastian Tupi, who was until recently part of the next web. So one of the company that I'm excited to follow in 2021 is called LACA. So LACA is a UK-based insurtech company that is specifically focusing on bicycle insurances. And the way that the company was created is pretty cool as the founders have uh, you know, a lot of experience in the insurtech space and are also people that are riding their bikes all the time and are very close to that sort of very tight, close-knit community of people that are riding their bicycles. I know, of course, wants to make sure that their bikes are insured in case anything happens to them. And, uh, you know, considering that those things are quite pricey you want to make sure that they're insured the problem is that the current way that insurance are working is broken those big companies are charging really hefty premiums to be able to have your bikes insured and after that when you need to make a claim it's a big hassle it often takes a lot of time you have to justify you know why your bike has been broken or stolen how it happened and sort of pray that you receive the money for the claim that you've made not really sure what you're actually insured for and what you're not because of all the fine prints so like I decided that they wanted to simplify the way that you insure your bike to make it way more transparent and to also make it cheaper by flipping that model on its head and basically asking for contributions upfront based on the price and the cost of your bicycle and then sort of change the premium at the end of the month based on how much has been claimed by the entire pool of people that have their bicycle insured. Meaning that if nobody claims, then it's really, really cheap. And if more people claim, then the price goes up depending on the amount of claims that have been made, but always with a cap. I think it's a really exciting model. I think that uh, LACA has a lot of uh, sort of a bright feature ahead of them, essentially, because if this model works and if they can prove that in the long run, after the 10,000 bikes that they currently have insured in the UK, they can scale this successfully, this model can be applied to many other industries aside from just the bicycle industry. So yeah, really keen to see what the founders are going to be up to and how they're going to grow that business in 2021. Next up, Lamin Ben Hamdane of Infineon. Fostering European tech means creating prosperity 
and creating the jobs for the future. Moreover, we can benefit from the technology as a society, not only in Europe, but of course also worldwide. And my contribution to this goal is by connecting the best startups to Infineon, one of the top semiconductor players globally. Hi, uh, my name is Ariel. I'm an investor at RLC Ventures. We're a VC firm based in London. I think, yeah, European tech, just super exciting time to be an investor here in Europe. We're seeing all these companies now who feel that they can stay within their region because they don't have to travel to Silicon Valley in order to get the best funding or in order to be funded by the best investors because the investors are coming to Europe finally. And so we're going to be seeing a lot more unicorns, a lot more funding coming out of Europe and all the tech hubs, etc. you know, Paris, Berlin, even Bristol in the UK, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more tech come out of those regions and it's, and it's an exciting time. So, so yeah, very keen to see what the future holds for European tech. Very bullish on it. And hopefully this gets featured. <laughs> Hi, this is Kristen. I'm the writer of Houses and Breadcrumbs. European tech to me is mostly GSM, about which we don't have mobile social, social MWC in Barcelona, which is the mobile world, Congress, uh, Spotify, Deezer, SoundHound, Shazam, Uber, Skyscanner, Revolut of late. I think there are other things like buying furniture online, maybe booking taxis from Uber, but mostly I think things that make life kind of easier which is tech in general but the ones based in europe probably concern more very strict and respectful data privacy laws conference calls and timing stress resolutions very much appreciated and all things about blink lists apps i think i've mentioned that not even sure it's european let me google that ciao Happy 200th episode. And here is one from the former host of this podcast and also a big friend of the show, Roxanne Varza. Oh my God, it's recording. Tech in Europe means so much to me. It's kind of crazy, actually. I left my home to come here and live here and work in the ecosystem. And I kind of guess I felt like it was my baby. <laughs> I've watched it grow up. I feel like it's taking off right now. Super exciting. And I just want to say like congrats and bravo to everybody who's contributed to making this ecosystem what it is and what it's becoming. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Hi, this is Job, the co-founder and CEO of Remote. It's remote.com. Next year is going to be one of the most crazy years in terms of startups and, and, and growth of the greater tech ecosystem. In 2020, we were all incredibly pessimistic, and yet we saw massive growth, many new startups, incredible amount of fundings, and you know, at very high valuations. Um, if that is what we are seeing in a year where there's a pandemic, where we're not allowed to leave our homes very much, um, I'm just so much so looking forward to a year where we're all vaccinated and you know we can we can be a little bit optimistic again and we can start to travel and it's going to be an incredible year in that sense. And this year we saw many new tools coming up to help you know distributed teams 
work together better, to help organizations collaborate better, those tools are going to mature next year and just going to get much bigger. So I'm incredibly excited about what is going to happen next year. And uh, it's going to be probably one of the best years yet for tech. Thanks. And uh, make sure to check out remote.com. Thanks. Hello, my name is Janis Bosch and I'm founder of fastbrands.eu, Amazon consulting business. And I'll answer to the question, where do you expect to see growth in 2021 and why? Well, definitely the growth will come in uh, e-commerce industry and all industries uh, around it. The pandemic situation enabled e-commerce to leap forward in progress by quite a few years, if we compare to the future projections from previous years. And as a result, there are industries uh, that haven't caught up yet and are waiting to be advanced by new players with more innovative and effective solutions. E-commerce platforms, for example, don't have any problems with the scaling. They can easily process even larger amounts of payments and host even more client websites and products, for example, Shopify, Amazon, and Etsy. However, logistics have lagged behind the most, as well as customer support for larger companies and any other service where the demand puts pressure on increasing physical workforce, for example, support agents or delivery drivers. And uh, I think we can definitely expect some pretty big rising startups arriving from fixing these logistics uh, issues. And here's one idea, for example, whoever wants to solve a real e-commerce issue, uh, think about peer-to-peer delivery service, which could help small business owners or direct-to-consumer brands provide fast, trustworthy and cheap delivery services, utilizing the vast network of uh, so-called freelancers. Uh, who would like to earn some extra money in their spare time. Same as Bolt, Uber or food delivery drivers, these people could also deliver packages from one business to their customers. So I think, yeah, we can we can definitely expect uh, some logistics uh, problems being solved and uh, to ensure that logistics doesn't lag behind e-commerce growth. Hi. I'm Will Benton, and I'm the Venture and Ecosystem Director at the ATR Boeing Accelerator. We're a C to Series A stage accelerator program here in the UK, connecting innovative startups with established aerospace businesses like Boeing, GKN Aerospace, and Rolls-Royce, and helping drive forward the civilian aerospace sector here in the UK. Uh, I was uh, really excited to join Andre for a early edition of the podcast in 2020, and uh, congrats to him and the team for reaching the 200th episode. I'm really looking forward to 2021 and what the the year will bring to the aerospace industry. Uh, we've seen some really, really exciting startups with um, world-leading and also very challenging uh, and sometimes bonkers ideas bringing in their talent and expertise into the industry um, as the industry comes through what's been probably one of the most challenging years in its history. So that's that's kind of my exciting outlook on next year, uh, bringing in that expertise and seeing what it can do with the resource and support from the established industry. Uh, congrats again to Andre and the team and um, look forward to hearing the episode. Hello, uh, I am Michasso. I am a partner at uh, Notion Capital, a B2B SaaS cloud uh, fund uh, investing across Europe. I am uh, very excited about the European ecosystem, the startup ecosystem, and uh, one of the companies I would like to highlight for 2021 
is uh, ULife. So ULife is uh, reinventing uh, the life insurance with a product that is helping employees uh, be healthier and happier. Uh, once uh, a company or a customer signs up for the life insurance program, each employee gets an app in which they can track their steps, their mindfulness and other activities they do. And they are rewarded for doing that. So they get uh, rewards for being more active and healthier. And why do I think this is one to watch in 2021? So first of all, I think the insurance industry is ready for disruption. We've seen in the last year uh, big success stories uh, with Lemonade going public and Oscar and other players uh, growing very, very fast. And in Europe, we have Alan in France, which is uh, basically taking the market um, of the health uh, insurance in, in, in France. Um, and in another uh, hand, uh, remote working has made our lives much more sedentary. So staying at home is not helping us uh, with productivity. Uh, so we work long hours, but uh, we are not uh, being efficient uh, with our work. So Ulite has boomed. Uh, during COVID, they've grown really fast and companies are looking to engage uh, their employees with physical activities to make sure they move, they stay healthy and, and productive, right? Uh, so this is really a trend and I do believe that ULife has the opportunity to capture the growing demand for insurance solution, disrupting insurance market, and that are able to make, in fact, employees flourish being happier and healthier while uh, working uh, remotely. Happy holiday to everyone. Hi, my name is Cristina Villa and I'm the founder and CEO of Cledara. Recently, we've closed our seed round, which means that now we are in hiring mode to help the growth of Cledara. And what we've realized is that it's actually very hard to hire talent across Europe because uh, essentially, to hire people in different countries, we need to have either a, an entity in that country and we need to deal with laws and different laws in each one of them. And we have to have different contracts and probably we have to open a bank account in each one of them. And this makes no sense because it really doesn't look like a single market to me. And it does add a lot of complexity to to companies like ours, like Cladara, that where we want to hire the best people, no matter where they are. So my name is Laura Gonzalez Stephanie, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Venture City. Uh, we invest uh, globally, uh, being Europe, uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, place to invest. Um, thinking about uh, what does European tech mean for you personally, I think that it means that we are leaders in brain power. We've always been, and we just need to make sure that we somehow um, create the infrastructure needed to all those brains to really get to the where they want to go, to build the companies they need to build, to build the partnerships with another corporates that they need to to really boost their growth, uh, to really support those amazing scientists and researchers that are doing amazing technologies and how can we uh, bring them to something tangible in the workplace. So uh, for me, it means a lot. I really believe that Europe can become, again, the leader in technology uh, around the world. So 
also part two which startups should we follow in 2021 i wouldn't name any company um but i would main different industries and um so anything around cybersecurity, personal security i think it's key we are used to protect our cars and our homes but we are not used to protect our identities and i feel that protecting individual identities is going to be key in the future and you and our identity footprint on the internet is going to be key so anything around cyber security for people and infrastructures but mainly people is something that i'm really interested on anything around mobility infrastructure how can we support not only more alternative ways that are very that are non-pollutative that don't contaminate the world around us i think that's going to be key uh food you know not only plant-based but also insect-based kind of food get ready for that because that's coming in the next 10-15 years and of course any way to work uh remotely in a more efficient way boosting creativity and stuff is going to be a uh, super interesting um, and of course the last piece would be funding women we need to go have more women running funds more women running funds of funds more women run a uh, uh, leading companies and more women getting funded i think that it's uh, very key What's wrong with European tech? I think that we've been overly conservative, over-regulated, and we need to find a balance between regulation and conservatism because we do have the key ingredient to be successful, which is the brain power, the people, the passion. We just really need to support it to really alleviate that infrastructure so that the founders can be a lot more successful. I sit on the board of the European Innovation Council Fund, which is a 10 billion fund, so I have the pleasure to be in the investment committee alongside with amazing brains like uh, Kinga and Hurston, Kirsten and and Heidi and Martin and Stefan and Agustin and so many other people and of course Niklas Berkman and we're really trying to fix that from the inside so we're going to really build an amazing fund of the yeah, fund not fund of funds fund we're going to be we are investing in equity and we're going to be a really looking forward to co-invest with the best funds in Europe and we are going to be able to at the end identify those amazing brains all over the territory that deserve uh, the support from a European kind of like sovereignty fund that is going to be to support um, all these people so yes from the inside to the top what's the strongest point of European tech I think that the strongest point um that we have is is the brain power is the talent without talent there's nothing you can do you 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 can see deep pockets of capital all over the world but if it was not because of the talent those that capital wouldn't wouldn't be where it is right so we really need to get the founders of the European Union just as Daniel Ek from Spotify to really invest and close the cycle from building to giving back into the next wave of entrepreneurs but also as investors we have to be very conscious of what uh, these big funds in Europe that we are building can do to support to boost entrepreneurship and to boost other investment firms really invest ethically and very diverse you know really have diversity as a mandatory thing so that we can lead the wave once again i mean it i believe it and i'm working on it hi 
My name's Brad Van Leeuwen, and I'm the co-founder and COO of Cladara. The key challenge for tech is that to scale, we need to start building products that are not just for tech bros in Silicon Valley, but for everyone in the world. The strength of Europe is really got to be its diversity, not just language, but also culture, education, even diversity of understanding of the pain points that, that people face around the world. This means European tech companies are really well positioned to build the next generation of inclusive technology products that can really benefit the entire world. Okay, this is absolutely great. Thank you all so much once again for joining this experiment. Thank you. Actually, I have to say that, in fact, I am loving this feedback channel so much that I have decided to keep it open, like, forever, I guess. If there is anything you want to tell us, head to tech.eu slash voicemail and record a message. tech.eu slash voicemail, and I promise that I will feature listeners' audio comments regularly next year. Now, this is the episode 200, which also happens to be the last uh, full episode we will publish this year. I have got a whole bunch of interview specials uh, to see you through the holiday period, but the next full episode will run on January 15, when I am back to work. With that in mind, I have asked our editor Robin Wouters to record a message to leave you with until then. Here it comes. Hello everyone, this is Robin Walters, I'm the founder of Tech.eu, and I'm recording this for you from my place here in Brussels, where I've spent way too much time this year. Not that I don't love my home, but it's been just a bit too much, you know? Uh, I'm here to wish you happy holidays, of course, but so is everyone else wishing you these days, so let me add a little bit to that. I would love for you to take this time to reflect on what has been a challenging year for many, uh, for obvious reasons, and what the coronavirus pandemic and everything associated with it will have as an impact on business, society, and the whole planet for that matter. I would love for you to take the time to think about what the future might look like for humanity if we all have the luxury of sitting back, relaxing, and really consider how to make the best of it for everyone, and especially your kids, your family, your friends, and everyone else you care about. We've all heard the term the new normal way too much this year, uh, but I do wish you time to really think about what that means for you. How can you help shape a better future for us all? With that, I will leave you to it, and I hope that you will immensely enjoy the break and the festivities. See you on the other side. And this is a wrap for the episode 200 of Tech EU Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you are subscribed to this show on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review our show. This helps a lot. If you need more Tech EU in your life, follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU and or follow me at adegular. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Please feel free, as usual, to email us with any questions, suggestions, and opinions at podcast at tech.eu. The next full episode of this show will run on January 15th, but in the meantime, I am preparing several amazing interview specials, so stay tuned for lots of interesting stuff coming right into your ears. I wish you as merry a Christmas and as happy a new year as possible. Take care and talk soon. Bye-bye.